it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sendscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? Going good, going good. And even if trade deadline day was a little boring, man, we got a lot to talk about. Man, like you are absolutely correct. We do have a lot to talk about, and we are not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into today's episode by talking about our cover athlete for today's episode, Season 6, Episode 20, in chronological order, Episode 144, the Jean Gabriel Peugeot edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. So, just a little background about Jean Gabriel Peugeot. He was drafted 96th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2011. He went on to play eight seasons for the Ottawa Senators, recording 87 goals, 95 assists for 182 points, and 428 games before being traded to the New York Islanders in 2019. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim. I tried looking this up. Pajot was not a deadline deal, was he? He was very close. Yeah, I think he came before it. Yeah. I remember just not believing the deal that we got for Pajot, though. And you know what? It seems like yesterday that we were talking about that trade, because if you recall... That was a trade that we saw the market of like the bigger name players that were on the board who were getting dealt. And you're like, wow, that player only got that or this player only got that. And then you see what Lou Lamorello threw at us for Pajot, And you're like, holy crap, that's what we got for him. You know what's insane? We've got an even bigger trade like that this year. But Jean-Patrick Pajot was just a guy who he could kind of do it all. And uh, it's interesting that he basically was playing first line minutes in that last season there in Ottawa and uh, round first, second line minutes there in New York. But uh, he definitely was the beneficiary of a scoring bender in uh, that 2019-2020 season. No, he definitely was. And Pajot is one of those guys that if I could sum up Pajot in one word, it would be clutch. Yeah. Especially when you look at the playoff runs in the mid-2010s when Pajot scored four goals against the Rangers and he had the four goals against the Habs and you just see the big moments that he has. And you know what's funny? When talking about Pajot, when we were doing our COVID episodes of 2020, we actually did a whole episode on the best senators of the 2010s. And I remember eating some crow from you because I put JGP at number three. With Mark Stone. And you gave me shit because I put two players on that list and not just one. But I gave my reasoning why. Yeah, but it's a top five. I know, but you know what? You can't put two people in one slot. That's cheating. Here's the thing. I gave my reasoning as to why. I explained to you, Tim, that you've got to realize, like, okay, sure. was I supposed to pick one or the other? Okay, fine. Get rid of a number... Don't have a number four. Well, no. Yeah, I don't even five, and you snuck in six. You know what's funny? I don't even remember who I had at five and four. I remember number one was Eric, obviously. Two was Andy. Three was Stone and Pagiel. I don't remember who four and five were. See, you could have gotten rid of one. I mean, at first, that was three years ago, though. Yeah. You don't even get to defend yourself on this one. I... I know. <laughs> Although I try. Yeah. 
I really try. And it's not for a lack of trying, Tim. But yeah, I think if anyone's going to talk about a kind of the biggest Pajot moment for the Ottawa Senators, there's definitely two games that come to mind. There is the 2012-2013 first playoff game where he scores a hat trick against the Habs or the 2016-2017 four-goal effort against Henrik Lundqvist. You know what? I think for me, I think the 2017 one tops the 13. 13 was great. But you've got to realize 2017, if you recall in that game, we were down 5-3. Yep. And Pajot scored twice. Did not only tie it up, but score the winner. That was a series winning game right there, eh? Like, I know that the actual series winner was a somewhat uneventful game seven, but that was kind of the moment where you knew the sense kind of had it. No, I think it was game six because we, did, we didn't go to seven in that series. We didn't go to seven, right? Yeah, that last game was just kind of uneventful. Yeah, we just scored an empty net and that was it. Yeah, well, there was that weird Carlson goal. From behind the net? Yeah. That's still a great one. What are you talking about? I still don't know how that went in, man. Yeah. Hey, Hunk Lundquist is still asking himself the same question, man. True, true. You don't ask how, you ask how many. Exactly. So, Tim, like I said, I mean, we could sit here and talk about Joan Gabriel Paggio all episode, but we do have a lot of trades to talk about. Now, before we head off into the trades, we got to announce our cover athlete poll for next week's episode, season six, episode 21, in chronological order, 145. Now, there's three names I want to put on the board. There's an obvious winner out of this, if, if I'm really being honest. Denny Hamel, Alexander Picard, and Parker Kelly. How many games did Picard even play? Because I remember the question. I remember he him played, being okay, so he says here that Picard played parts of two seasons for Ottawa, recording 10 goals, 19 assists for 29 points in 92 games. Oh, okay. That's more than I thought. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, I don't even remember him at all. Yeah. So that means people are going to vote for Hamel, aren't they? Oh, probably. Probably. What can I say, Tim? Bruh. Now, Tim, I am very excited that we got together today to record this episode, not only because we got to talk about Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and I get to talk about how the fact he gave me shit for our COVID episode, <laughs> but because today's episode is the 2023 NHL trade deadline episode you mentioned it right off the top. I mean, as much as the deadline day itself was boring, the trades in the pre-deadline talk about home run. Oh, it was wild. It really was. It really was. And we're going to start off with the pre-deadline trades. Now, there's one particular trade I want to talk about, Tim. Because this past summer... Was this? It was hot Pierre summer. Yep. Pierre Dorian. He had some goals in mind. Acquire a top four defenseman. Acquire a top forward, and acquire a goaltender. Mm-hmm. This past summer, he landed Alex DeBrincat. He brought Claude Giroux home. 
he made the trade for Cam Talbot. So you're now, saying he had some unfinished business. He did have some unfinished business. The only thing he was unable to swing this past summer was a trade for a defenseman. And there was a lot of names on the board, but there was one name in particular that Ottawa fans zeroed in on, and that was Jacob Chikrin for the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona had quite the trade request on the table for teams that wanted to get him. It was two firsts, a second, top player, top prospect, you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. And throughout the year, Arizona didn't get that. And there was a few teams in the running for Chikrin. There was LA, there was the Rangers, there was a handful of teams. One team came out on top. The Arizona Coyotes traded defenseman Jacob Chikrin to the Ottawa Senators for a 2023 first 2024 second and a conditional 2026 second round pick. Hot Pierre summer is now complete. Yep. And Shikran really was the best defenseman on the market last offseason and going into the trade deadline. Although you could argue that Dmitry Orlov, who we'll talk about in a bit, definitely gives him a run for the money. There's nothing not to like about Shikrin. The guy pushes play in the right directions. The guy can set up a play like a monster and uh, is not part of the penalty parade because he can skate, he can shoot, he can pass. He's not getting himself into trouble. And the reason why that I'm tempering my excitement right now is because I'm still trying to process we got him. After months and months of having to listen to people talking about Chikrin's never going to come to Ottawa, we should just settle for a Matt Dumba or some other, or like a Colton Paranko. Here, Dorian did not waver. Yeah. He wanted and- Jacob Chikrin, and he got Jacob Chikrin. And he got him at a good price. Because remember... This is we're paying a first and two seconds effectively. Yep. Like you know, a second talk- becomes a player less than a third of a time. And if we make the playoffs this year, which isn't impossible, that late first, sorry, that mid to late first has about a 50% chance of becoming a player. This is the cost is one in hand instead of two in the bush. Jacob Chikrin to me, that's the kind of trade that two types of teams make. There are the teams like, like I said, the Rangers and the Bruins who feel like a guy like Jacob Chikrin can get them fully over the hump and win them a cup. Yeah. And then there's the other tier of teams like the LA Kings and the Ottawa Senators who feel that Jacob Chikrin's a guy that you can make serious noise to make you a legit playoff contender. I just can't believe that Pierre Dora not only fleeced for Alex to break it, he did the exact same for Chikrin. Yeah. To be fair, like if Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs and somehow wins a draft lottery and moves up 10 spots, that's going to be a very good draft pick for the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, no, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe it is top five protected, correct? It is top five protected, but if say Ottawa is 16th and wins the lottery, 
then that still goes to Arizona because he can only move up 10 spots. Fair. But, you know, I was actually listening to a Coyotes podcast the day that the chicken trade happened. And one of the things that they were talking about is that the reason why the Arizona Coyotes made this deal is because they saw those first round picks vanish. They found out that pool completely dried up. But in fairness, we were in this same predicament five years ago. Do you recall the price tag for Eric Carlson when we put him on the market? No. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was a pretty hefty price. Yeah. What Arizona wanted for Chikrin was a hefty price. And I always said, how many teams could do that trade and make it make sense? The other thing that didn't work for Arizona is that they they didn't want to retain salary. So you have a team like LA that was interested and LA had the picks. Couldn't do it. Didn't do it. So LA went around and uh, picked up Guryanov instead. Because they sent that pick, that conditional first round pick in 2023 to Columbus. Yeah, but you know what though? When talking about Arizona, I think they really played their hand too strongly. And I, and I do agree. I mean, that whole not wanting to retain salary really killed them in the end. But like I said, how many teams could have done that? You would have had to retain salary. And at the end of the day, Pierre Dorian saw the, his opening. Yes, yeah. he circled around that wagon a few times this season. Because you always heard from Bruce Garriott. You heard from Sean Simpson. You heard from people who work for the Sens media who all said Pierre, Pierre Dorian has circled that wagon. But you didn't, but fans didn't want to get their hopes up because how much of this is, oh, we're going to get our hopes up. It's not going to happen. I mean, at the same time, fans on Twitter are the biggest weenies out there. Yeah. So, you oh, no, I've the, complained the, about that a number yeah, of times on the show. You but. pick, you believe the poker's hot until it's obvious that it's cold with these sort of things. Because it's not like this is the Leafs where Ottawa gets connected to every rumor out there. I actually do believe if something comes out of uh, Gary Ock or Skinner like or Simmer or those guys' mouths, there's at least some smoke. There's some fire there. It's not just smoke. I'm going to say something kind of a hot take. I don't agree with Sean Simpson. I, I think I do agree with Gary Ock. But when you hear a guy like... Elliot Friedman talk about it. That's true. That's where you know this is real. You know right then and there, there's legit smoke to that fire. Yeah. No, for sure. So like as soon as you hear, yeah, Elliot Friedman and Friedman had been talking about Ottawa and Chikrin since the off season. Yep. And it makes sense because Chikrin's dad grew up in the PN. Yep. So it would have made a lot of sense for Jacob Chickering to come home. Mm -hmm. Pierre Dorian did it twice. Yeah. Like, I think Pierre Dorian's had a fantastic season. And we'll talk about some other minor trades that the Ottawa Senators did. Uh, we talked about dumping Zaitsev last week. But I think this is a team that should things go like unfortunately november happened 
and it'll be difficult for the Ottawa Senators to make the playoffs. But with this group, it's not impossible. And this group's going to stay together next year with very little difficulty on Pierre Dorian's part. This is a, a built core that definitely, I, if it doesn't make the playoffs this year, it'll make them next year. The rebuild is over. And you know, I know you got a chance to watch the game on Saturday. I didn't get it much. I got a chance to watch a little bit of it. But would you see the fan base chanting, we want playoffs? You know, this is a fan base that's ready to go back to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And also you get to see <laughs> Chikrin's grandfather smashing Tim Hortons. Good times. Yeah, I love the fact it was, I think it was an apple fritter. I think that's what he was crushing. Huh. Look like an apple fritter. Dang. Yeah. If only uh, the Sens Flames game wasn't during Lent, then I'd bring one with me to the stadium. Now, what final thing before we head off and talk about these other trades, Tim? Say the Ottawa Senators make the playoffs. I know that the obvious pick for executive of the year would be Don Sweeney in Boston. Yeah. Does Is Pierre Dorian a very close second? Uh, I imagine Pierre Dorian gets his fair share of votes for sure. So let's move away to talk about the Ottawa Senators and talk about some other teams that made some trades, Tim. Now, we're going to start off with a game, a trade that actually happened directly after the Habs-Sens game last week. Okay. The Montreal Canadiens traded forward of getting down and off to the Dallas Stars for forward, Dennis Gurananov. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. This is an interesting trade because Dodonov is what he is. He's a forward who can push play, actually does a pretty good job of setting up other players to score, but can't score himself. Gurionov is a reclamation project that Dallas just wanted off the books. So Dallas picks up some secondary scoring support while Montreal, if Gurionov works out, and this is a guy who's been kind of sliding for years in Dallas, it's great for them. If not, uh, they really aren't on. They really aren't out all that much. So one thing I didn't mention right off the top, Tim, like with these trades, I'll just be giving the trade straight up. I won't be mentioning any stats, any of that stuff, just because that's a lot. There's of a lot that, if I'm being honest, I don't really want to do. Yep. St. Louis Blues have traded for Ivan. Barbashev to the Vegas Golden Knights for forward, Zach Dean. Barbashev's interesting because he decided to go from all defense, no offense to all offense, no defense last over the last two years. And uh, Vegas hopes that continues to really give them a bit of a secondary scoring push as uh, they try to lock up that Pacific division. Yeah, you know what? It's one of those things where I really can't comment much about this just because i haven't really watched barbashev play in st louis other than when he played the sends now i'm going to away from talking about the trades and there was actually one piece of news that broke right before the deadline tim uh-huh coming out of nashville david poland is announcing his retirement at the end of the season after 26 years barry trotz is expected to succeed him as team general manager this was really well done uh Poyle decided that this is 
you know what? This is the end of our run. This is the end of the window. I'm going to tear it down and give uh, our longest tenured coach a crack at it. And uh, we'll talk about this later, but I think he did a great job. He really did. He he really did. And you know what, though? And we've said it in the past about David Poyle is that you think of the expansion that happened in the 1990s. And Nashville is the only team that kept their inaugural GM. Well, think how ridiculous that is. How many other teams have kept a GM for 23 years or more? New Jersey? Yeah, I was going to say Jersey. Jersey with uh, Lamorello. Yeah, like Jersey's the only one I can think of. Yeah, but it helped. I think he was team president too. Yeah, but like Poyle just did a very, very good job, right? Yeah. And you know what, though? I It's really great to see Barry Trotz is getting that opportunity to succeed him just because, again, when he was the coach in Nashville in the early to mid-2000s, like he took Predator teams that really had no business almost being there and made them succeed. Well, look at the teams he coached after the Predators and what the Predators did after he left. Washington wins the Stanley Cup. The Islanders almost beat the, sorry, the Islanders in Lightning go toe-to-toe. Before the lightning steamrolls their eventual opponent. Like, yeah, Barry Trotz was definitely someone who could take teams that had no business being in the playoffs through the playoffs. But you also kudos to David Poyle, even for some of the acquisitions he made over the years. When you talk about he went out and got Paul Korea and Peter Forsberg, and he absolutely rolled the dice and brought him Philip Forsberg from Washington from David e- Martin Erat. Just look at, and even the drafting. I mean, they went out and got your Shea Weber's and your Ryan Ellis's. He went out and drafted these guys. Yeah, no, like he had a fantastic campaign as a general manager over those 25 years. He absolutely did, man. He absolutely did. And congratulations. Hopefully, David has a great retirement. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to talk about these trades. Chicago Blackhawks have traded defenseman Jack Johnson to the Colorado Avalanche for defenseman Andreas Anglin. Oh, hey, former Sun Alert. I was going to say, yeah, former Ottawa Senator. But it appears Jack Johnson's going back to Colorado. I don't get this one. Maybe they just really like the guy, but Jack Johnson is widely considered one of the worst defensemen active by um, pretty much any model, public or private. Like, it's him, Nikita Zaitsev. I think that's it. Maybe they just like the leadership he provides in the room at age 36, but I was a little surprised because it looked like England was finally getting some traction with... uh, Colorado playing not impressive, but fine. Bottom six minutes. I don't like this trade. It it doesn't move the needle for me. No, and but at the same time, I, I get it. Honestly, I get it for Chicago. You weren't getting anything of value for Jack Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it was it's better than the option of just letting him run yeah 
So, Tim, it appears that the Timo Meyer era in San Jose is officially over. San Jose Sharks traded forwards. Timo Meyer, Timu Ibergroma. I don't even know how to say that last name. Defenseman Scott Harrington, Santira Hatakata, goaltender Zachary Emmon, a 2024 fifth round pick to the New Jersey Devils. For forward, Fabian Zetterland, Andreas Johnson, defenseman Chick. Oh, my good lord. I. Makamalunan? I'm not, I don't even know how to Shakir pronounce it. Shakir Mukamadulan. Mukamadulan. Yeah, I thought, I, I'm, I, I know that's a specific name, but I don't know. Nikita Okahoka and a conditional 2023 first and a conditional 2024 second and 2024 seventh round pick. And you know what? I already hate that fucking trade. You had to try to pronounce those words. <laughs> So, Andres, there's a lot in this trade, eh? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. And I think I said it when we played New Jersey. It was either last season or this season. Because Shacker scored a goal against us. I made the comment. I said that those names are not real. Those names seem like computer-generated names from the EA NHL games. Right. This trade, it kind of reminds me of the Eric Carlson trade. Because seven pieces for Meyer, including multiple conditional picks. And uh, if New Jersey makes the Eastern Conference final and Meyer, Meyer plays in half the games, that conditional second becomes another first. So this is a very nice haul for Timo, Timo, Meyer, Timo Meyer, who has become one of the game's preeminent offensive threats being an absolute tyrant in the offensive zone, finishing and setting up plays at will while still having a defensive defensive conscience. New Jersey just got a hell of a lot scarier. They really did. And you know what? Tip my hats to New Jersey, man, because if you look back and we were just talking about Lula Morello, that's not a trade a Lula Morello would have tried to pull. He no. may have tried to pull it later on in his career when a guy like Anili Polvachuk came on the market. <laughs> he does not make that when they are a cup contender. No, but this this New Jersey team definitely things seem to have slowed down from their toward pace at the beginning of the season, but they have definite this definitely gives them the shot in the arm that they needed. And it paid off beautifully in the first game in the first what 10 minutes of the game he scored. Yep. Gotta love it. You do. Now, this next trade, Tim, this is one that I know you had a good laugh about. And you actually messaged me about this. Are you ready for this? National Predators traded forward Tanner Yarnot to the Tampa Bay Lightning for defenseman. Kale Foote, a 2025 first, top 10 protected, 2024 second, a 2023 third, a 2023 fourth, and a 2023 fifth round pick. I really want you to appreciate that that has never happened before in the NHL. No one has never included in a trade the first, the second, the third, a fourth, a fifth pick in one trade. That looks like a goddamn NBA trade. Yeah. Or a trade that you make in be a GM mode on NHL. Yeah. But also just like, wow. 
You know what, though? I am going to give Nashville some credit here because that's a very good trade for them. Because I really like the fact that Cal Foot's now going to Nashville because they have a huge hole with Matthias Ekholm going to Edmonton. Well, no, we have to just basically see that Nashville is rebuilding for the first, basically the first time in their history. And they just got five picks from Tampa Bay. Like that's what that that's just incredible return on an asset who is he's definitely a Tampa Bay type player. I'll give him that. Yep. But uh he's a good defenseman too. Yeah, he's good enough. He's a fine defenseman, but woof. You know what? At the end of this episode, we are going to be doing our winners and losers of the trade deadline, Tim. I think we should put Nashville in the winner. Just oh, Nashville is definitely, they've definitely killed it. Yeah. Just just for that trade alone, because that's such a good one. Oh, they got better too, right? They've got others. Oh, they did. Chicago Blackhawks have traded defenseman Jake McCabe forward Sam Lafferty, a, con- a conditional 2025 fifth round pick to the Toronto Police for a conditional first, 2006 t- second, and forward Joey Anderson and Pavel Gogolev. So this is a really interesting trade for Toronto. And it really hinges on which version of Jake McCabe shows up. Is it the Jake McCabe who, through his first seven years in the NHL, was just a middling, okay, not great, to kind of bad defenseman in Buffalo? Or are they getting the Jake McCabe who uh, played really well in his first 15 minutes in Chicago? If they get the first, that's a problem. If they get the second, they're fine. And this actually looks like a pretty pretty good trade for the Leafs. Yeah, no, I totally agree with this, but I will have to say that I do, I can appreciate this trade just because Sam Lafferty is actually a pretty solid forward. So Toronto definitely gets some depth scoring in their lineup. I do agree with you with Jake McCabe. He was definitely a guy that you watched him early on. You're like, this guy's not good. He's just kind of there. But at the same time, is Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty really worth a first? Honestly, no. No, this is an overpay, though. But Toronto has to keep their window open. I get it. It's an overpay, but it's almost, it really borders on desperation. Just because Kyle Dubas is his last year's contract, he knows if Toronto doesn't make it out of the first round, he's out. I don't see the Leafs bringing him back. Yeah, that's fair. But it's also like, I don't like the thing is that this trade kind of necessitated because I'm not sure if McCabe is actually better than Rasmus Sandin or Pierre Engvall. No. Which, uh, well, definitely, he's definitely not better than Sandin. And yeah. We'll talk about that trade here in a minute, Tim. But we do have a couple more trades to talk about before we get to that one. The Vancouver Canucks have traded defenseman Riley Stallman to the Buffalo Sabres for forward. Josh Bloom, minor league deal. Riley Stillman is going to be a depth, probably a depth forward in Buffalo, but yeah, not too much. Okay. Now this one actually kind of came out of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but it was definitely kind of a surprise because his name's been linked to trade rumors for a couple of seasons now. The Edmonton Oilers have traded forward Jesse Pulley to the Carolina Hurricanes for forward Patrick 
Poll's still low. This is such a Carolina trade. Holy shit. Do you want someone who could control play, but shoot a lot, but never score? That um, is Jesse Pugliarvi. I was going to say, who would have been that for the Sens? In who history? the big Sens? Hmm. A guy who shoots, but can't score. Dodonov. Yeah, no, well, okay. In fairness, Dodonov had that one great game against Toronto. Yeah. Uh, fuck. There is a player from, like, the mid-2010s I'm thinking of, too, right now. Oh, Eric Condra. Thank you, Eric Condra. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, not honestly, yeah, not much I could really say about that. If if Carolina can get something out of Poliarvi, that's a good one. But you know what's really funny? We're talking about Jesse Poliarvi, Tim. For all of the first overall picks and all the really high draft picks the Edmonton Oilers have had over the past decade that was the 2010s, it's funny that outside of Neil Yakupov, Poliarvi's the one top pick that they had. That did not pay off for them. Well, I mean, the weird thing about Jesse Pugliarvi is that... Did they rush him? He's just not what they wanted him to be. Because, like, he is a fantastic defensive forward who's very good at puck control. It's just they wanted him to be something he wasn't. They expected him to be, what, like a McDavid or somebody? Well, like, more of a scorer. But he's a very, very good. It's just like he just doesn't cannot finish. Yeah, it is unfortunate, but you know what? Hopefully, all the best for him in Carolina. Well, he'll he'll grow a lot under uh, Rod Brindamore, who really appreciates that type of style. Absolutely, Tim. Now we got another big trade to talk about. Chicago Blackhawks have traded forward Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers for a 2023 second, a 2025th forward, Andy Wilniski, Vili Sonar Salyarvi, and Arizona also received a 2025 third for retaining 25% of Kane's salary. And I do understand that I butchered this gentleman's name, but I do want to talk about this trade for a second, Tim. Yeah. With Patrick Kane going to the New York Rangers, the 2010 era for the Blackhawks is officially over. Yeah. And we've known for a while that the dynasty was dead. And it was only a matter of time that said players were going to end up leaving. It happened with Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook left. Jonathan Taves, it doesn't even look like he'll ever be back. Yeah. And now Patrick Kane's gone. And, you know, when talking about the 2010 Blackhawks, Tim, and we talked about this when the when the stuff with Kyle Beach first came out. Yeah. And we talked about the 2010 Blackhawks, and I said, it's a shame that the Kyle Beach incident left such a black mark on the Blackhawks. Because if you look at the 2010s Blackhawks. Well, they are the dominant team. One of, they were the dominant, the dominant team, team. But that right there, that's a dynasty that was done right. Because if you look at, especially the 2010 team, if you look at a lot of the players on that roster, Home with drafted. the exception of a few players, obviously Patrick Sharp and Marin Hosa, I would see a big chunk of that team was scouted 
drafted, developed by the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. And they never, and they only won the draft lottery once. And that was for 2007 for Patrick Kane. You look at some of the pickups they did. They drafted Dustin Bufflin. They got Andrew Ladd. They they noticed Brett Seabrook and Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves. But not only that, they also drafted Corey Crawford. They drafted Jomerson. They drafted these guys and they developed them. And when you look at the Blackhawks in the pre-Rocky Wirtz era, it's absolutely amazing the heights the Blackhawks reached. Yeah. Because if you out of the original six teams, the Blackhawks were the least successful out of all of them. Between 1961, when they won their last cup, till 2010, when they won their first cup with that core, you look at that entire run of the Blackhawks. And they're, yes, they went to the Stock Cup finals a couple of times. Yes, they had great players. Yes, they were able to develop and do so many great things, but it was in the late 90s and early 2000s. I think that's what really gets shown a big light on because it's an era in a team's history, kind of like what the Leafs went through with the Harold Ballard era. Yeah. We went through in the later days of Eugene Melnick. It's not so much that a fan base turned their back on the team, a fan base turned their back on the owner who did nothing but give them no reason to cheer for this team. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, all that goodwill, good work is marred by possibly one of the, well, no, I don't think a story like this will ever reach the same depths of depravity as the Maple Leaf Gardens ushers, but this Pretty, pretty damn bad. I would say <clears throat> the ushers at Maple Leaf Gardens was bad. I would honestly, as bad as that was, I would say this honestly almost, this definitely trumps it because that happened within the organization. With the ushers, the team definitely knew. And it was despicable they did nothing about it. But you had a coach that sexually abused a player and then when he fucked off, you gave him a letter of recommendation. Yeah. And going back to this trade, Tim, you know, for all of the goodwill that the Blackhawks built up and destroyed with the Kyle Beach incident, I hate to say it, but Patrick Kane himself is no saint. No. And a lot of people have brought up numerous things about him. But it goes back to a comment that I've mentioned a number of times on the show. It goes back to if you only supported players who have zero skeletons in their closet, every league would have about eight players. Right. But given the skeletons in that Blackhawks closet, that's uh, that's really something. Yeah. yeah. And for Patrick Kane, the the hockey player, there is a legit argument you can make nowadays that Patrick Kane is the greatest American-born player of all time. Keep in mind of the American players who have come before him. Your Mike Madanos, your Keith DeChucks, your Tony Amanes, your Mike Richters, your Jonathan Quicks. 
I would say Patrick Kane is in a tier all into his own. Right. And now he goes from one original six franchise to another. And not just any original six franchise. You're (laughs) going to an original six franchise that is only one step above the Blackhawks in terms of overall team success. Because prior to, you know, the Canes and the Taves and those guys being in Chicago, Chicago had three cups. Before Mark Messier got there, the Rangers also had three cups. They've got four now. They have one more cup than the Blackhawks. <laughs> and then the Blackhawks turn around like, ah, fuck you. We got three more now. Right. So now the Blackhawks got six and the Rangers got four. But at the same time, man, Patrick Kane just really isn't the same player anymore. No. If you want to talk about a guy who's cooked, that's Patrick Kane. The guy can't create offense on his own, can't really finish as well as he used to be, is a complete defensive liability, more so than he ever was. The only thing left is his ability to set up a player, but the speed's gone. Like, uh, if I was Patrick Kane, I think I might just retire next season. But you know what, though? He has probably his best chance to win another cup right now in New York. Oh, yeah. Like, given what New York's top six, though, he's nuts. It's insane. It's insane. I do actually, before we head off into the next trade, Tim, I do want to make one more comment about this trade itself because with this trade, I would say the New York Rangers have become a big favorite to win the cup this year. Uh-huh. Well, maybe not because the well, East they- is in the the East is a massive, massive arms race right now. Because like we were just talking about New Jersey bringing in Timo Meyer, the the Bruins exist. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking. With the acquisitions they've made, they've definitely become more of the public consciousness of, oh, okay, this team might go far. Right, so, but they're not a favorite to win the cup. No, but ESPN, but if you ask ESPN, they would probably agree with you. Because on one of their shows, I think it was like First Take or whatever kind of hot fucking talking head show they have on ESPN now, they were talking about who has the best chance out of all the New York teams to win another championship. And somebody, and one of the hosts said the the Rangers. And they're like, oh, come on, the Rangers don't count. And Stephen A. Smith, who, if I'm not mistaken, I think either covered the Devils or the Flyers at one time, <laughs> made a fucking comment on ESPN going like, the only thing I know about hockey is the puck is black, and so am I. <laughs> okay. You've got to realize this, Tim. ESPN has had the NHL rights for what three years now? Two. Two years? You still are not taking this fucking seriously? And I and so many people were so outraged that they were just like, oh yeah, the Rangers don't count. It's like, did you not just see the acquisitions they made? I understand Patrick Kane's cooked, but still, you look at some of the New York teams. Really? You really think the fucking Giants are going to win a Super Bowl? You really think the Jets are going to do anything? You think the fucking Knicks are going to do anything? The one team I might see is 
maybe the Mets or the Yankees, but let's let's not let's not get too high on the Mets here. I know, but although they did have a good offseason. But anyway, sure. that's not the think of all the teams New York has. Yeah. Are you seriously trying to discredit the Rangers right now? Who yeah, no last kidding. season were what? One win away from the finals? You're seriously not going to count them. And I'm not even a Rangers fan. And I'm just like. <sighs> Although admittedly. Kind of out of the big boys of the Eastern Conference. I think New York. The Rangers are the weakest by far. No, no. I no, That's fair. That's fair. But. When I they, actually think the Ottawa Senators are a better five on five team than the Rangers are. Yeah. But I'm I'm strictly talking about the teams from New York. Oh yeah, but that's because New York New York teams are a basket case. Always have been, always will be. But I don't know. I I just really wanted to get that out of my system because I was that's just fair. like, you know, you're a, you're you're the major sports network in America, and you're still not taking hockey seriously. Really. This is why your fucking audience is made up of podcasters and YouTubers, and they are handing you your ass. That's why we go watch them and not you. Now, actually, I do want to talk about one trade, and I'm going to move ahead, then I'll come back. Because, you know, when you talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, and they were a dynasty that was done right, I would say out of the Western Conference of the last decade, the LA Kings definitely fit in that category. And the LA Kings also traded one of their big pieces in Jonathan Quick. Yeah. The LA Kings traded goaltender Jonathan Quick, a 2023 first and 2023 third round pick to the Columbus Blue Jackets for goaltender Jonas Carpasello and Vladislav Garbarov. And then the Golden, sorry, then the Blue Jackets flipped Quick to the Vegas Golden Knights. For Michael Hutchinson in the 2025 7th. Right. So the Kings doing this trade is a direct consequence of them not getting Shikrin. So the next best defenseman in their eyes was Vladislav Gabrikov, who is fine, honestly. I I don't really see it with Gabrikov. He's weak defensively and can kind of push tempo, but otherwise, nothing special. You know what? I'm going to say something here, Tim, because you made a comment about the best defenseman. I think outside of Chikrin, the best defenseman on the market, and maybe you might disagree with me, isn't in Columbus. They were He was down the road in Anaheim. Klinkberg? Klingberg. Oh, God, Tay, what are you smoking? Lots of things. That's not the point. Honestly, John Clayford was a top defenseman. He's just on a shit team. No, the guy hasn't been able to move offense in three years. The guy forgot how to play defense in 2020. Like, he's been bad. Like, oh, with capital. Just as bad as ESPN over here, Jesus. No, Clinkberg is bit. Clinkberg is the... If he could somehow figure out how to turn around some of his defensive liabilities, then sure. But he's he looked re, he looked oh super cooked, and there's a reason why Anaheim only got nothing for him. 
really the best available defenseman that I don't think anyone really realized was available was that other than Chikrin was Dmitry Orlov, who went to the Bruins. Yeah. Well, no, I just feel like an ass, Tim. But (laughs) that's not the point. Actually, let's talk about another defenseman being traded. The Toronto Maple Leafs have traded defenseman Rasmus Sandin to the Washington Capitals for defenseman Eric Gustafson and the Boston Bruins 2023 first-round pick. Now, on first glance for me, the Sandin trade didn't really make a lot of sense, but I was talking to one of the guys on the site who's a Leafs fan, and I guess from what he was saying that the Leafs had high expectations when Sandin came back from his holdout. Yeah. And he just didn't really live up. Which is weird because he was probably one of the better defensemen on the Leafs for creating offense. And his defense was fine. So the interesting thing about is they did get a pretty good player back in uh, Eric Gustafson, who admittedly is nowhere near as good as he was back in back in Chicago, but he's able to play decent defense, but the offense is just nowhere near what you were getting with Rasmus Sandin. I, I don't really like this trade for Toronto either. I kind of get why they went for it. I think they think Gustafson, well, Gustafson is cheaper and they got a first round pick back. But, I don't know, I just don't, I really don't like this. Especially with who they bring in to fill a gulf. Washington Capitals have traded forward Marcus Johansson to the Minnesota Wild for a 2024 third-round pick. I like Pierre Engvall. Just a good, hard-nosed player. Creates offense in the other zone, and I guess. I guess he probably just fell out of the depth chart given uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Noah Chari came in. Oh. Yeah, so if I had to guess, that's why they felt confident doing pulling the trigger on this, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure Achari is... I think Achari's probably better defensively than Engvall, but I'm not sure he's better offense like he's definitely not better offensively and then of course ryan o'reilly's ryan o'reilly yeah columbus blue jackets have traded forward gustav nyquist to the minnesota wild for 2023 fifth round pick the big question for the wild is 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 nyquist going to be able to play because he's currently injured and there's another guy who uh just Never really seemed to fit in Columbus. Although he still has that, if he still has his playmaking ability at 33 and he can play, then nice little piece of work by Minnesota. The Washington Capitals have traded forward Lars Eller to the Colorado Avalanche for a 2025 second round pick. Lars Eller's, he's a good player. He's always just kind of been kind of a muted good defensive forward. It's weird to think he's 33 now. Yeah. 
Honestly, I think with the trades that Washington's making, I think it's become very evident that they're just blowing it up now. Oh, yeah. But they pulled in some nice pieces. Like, I think the rat pulling in Rasmus Sandin, sorry, Rasmus Sandin was a very smart pickup. Mm -hmm. Can't complain about that, Tim. No. Detroit Red Wings have traded Philip Hornack and a 2023 fourth round pick to the, correct me if I'm wrong, Vancouver, correct? Ronick went to Vancouver. Ronick went to Vancouver, yeah. For a 2023 fourth, sorry, a conditional 2023 first and 2023 second. Now, this is just my bad because in the rundown I wrote, I, I forgot to put in the team name, but I got to ask. Yeah. Had we known the Larkin extension was coming, do you I, I honestly I think that we could have probably looked at this more positively, but it's seen rather negatively by Wings fans. Yeah, so I I don't really I don't get this trade for anyone. So Ronick's gonna be a very hard player to replace. The guy is a very good setup man and is responsible defensively on a nice contract and is just coming into his prime. And I thought that like, I actually thought like Detroit was supposed to be kind of coming into their, their prime. And then Ottawa sends them so hard. They started sending pieces out. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know about this one for Detroit. You know who I re it's like I really don't get this one for Vancouver. Like, I get it. It's the Islanders conditional pick, but and Philip Ronick is he's a very unique player. Mm -hmm. Does Vancouver think they're gonna be able to retool and get out of the mess they're in? I I don't know. And that's the thing for me when I look at that, it's just I don't know if this is a good trade for Vancouver either, just because, again, you this could have been a legit opportunity for Vancouver to say, yeah, we can't win with this core. Well, they don't even really have a core, right? Well, their core is what? Besser, Patterson, and Demko? But honestly, Patterson's confidence is shot. Demko is just cooked now. Besser's. Oh, and Quinn, Quint Hughes. Quinn Hughes. I think for me, I think if the Canucks really wanted to clean it up, I'm surprised JT Miller's still in Vancouver. Apparently, they tried to set up a trade and just couldn't get it. But yeah, I don't know. I really don't know that for Detroit. This we're is such a on. weird trade. It is. Then we're going to move on to our next trade, Tim. The Arizona Coyotes have traded Shane Gottesphere to the Carolina Hurricanes for a 2026 third-round pick. This is another very Carolina trade where they take a player who, like a defenseman who, there's defensive question marks around him and make him a reclamation project. Gottesphere can still finish and set up plays with the best of them and can still produce in his zone, create offense in his zone, but the defense has always been kind of the question mark. Although at 29, he is what he is. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much for me to really say on this trade, Tim. But this definitely should help Carolina 
with giving them more offensive pressure from the back end. No, definitely. The Pittsburgh Penguins have traded forward Peter Bluger to the Vegas Golden Knights for a 2024 third round pick. And a prospect. And a prospect? Okay, I didn't see that within the trade. Sorry, this is for Teddy Bluger? Yep. This is a weird... We want to talk about another weird team. It's Pittsburgh. And it's funny because they're holding the last wildcard spot in the East right now. You would think they would try to add some talent. Yeah. Well, they tried. They just didn't do it right. Because Teddy, Teddy Bluger is just one of those pretty good stay-at-home forwards, basically. But otherwise... And it's a nice little pickup for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Not much I could really say, Tim. Yeah. Well, we're going to see some interesting stuff come out of the Penguins after this. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning Lightning have traded forward Vladislav Domestikov to the San Jose Sharks for forward Michael Ezemont. San Jose would later flip. Nemestikov to Winnipeg for 2025 fourth round pick. It's a neat piece of work by San Jose. I actually don't get why Tampa Bay traded him. Were they just not cap compliant or? I don't know. Because Nemestikov is still a capable for checking forward. Yeah, I don't get this. Yeah, I don't get it either, Tim. The Nashville Predators have traded forward Michael Granlund to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a 2023 second-round pick. You want to talk about things that I don't get? This is one I don't get. Granlund is cooked. He has just looked worse and worse in Nashville since, since that playoff run, basically. The guy can't create offense. He can't score. His pass is decent, but not but not enough to make up for his complete inability to play defense. This is a, tre- a trade that just got Pittsburgh torn apart everywhere. And the fact that Pittsburgh took on the full salary is nutty. I can already see Pittsburgh's already a contender for the loser spot. In our trade deadline episode. For sure. Like, this is not a good trade. And I don't, I think the only reason Pittsburgh makes the payoffs is just because of inertia at this point or the will of Sidney Crosby. Now, this next trade, Tim, if you were to tell me that the Boston Bruins could actually get better, I probably would say, I don't know how that's even possible. Well, they managed to do it a couple weeks before the deadline, and then they did it again. Detroit Red Wings have traded forward Tyler Fertuzzi to the Boston Bruins in exchange for a 2024 first and 2025 fourth-round pick. I get Detroit was trying to make cap space for Dylan Larkin. How the fuck do you make Boston better? Well, How is that possible? The other thing is, is they didn't think that Tyler Bertuzzi was coming back. So they might as well get something for the guy. 
and Tyler Bertuzzi is a very capable four checking forward with some ability to set up a play, but he's another guy that just can't seem to finish. But it's a just nice pickup for Boston again. The Columbus this Blue Boston Jackson. team's going to be terrifying. Oh my god! I... Fuck. God help any team has to play them in the playoffs. I tell you. Yeah. The Columbus Blue Jackets have traded forward Jacob Borchak in a 2026 sixth round pick to the Arizona Coyotes for goaltender John Gillies. And I'm pretty sure this is just Arizona accepting a con a contract that counts as cap hit, but they don't actually have to pay for. Yeah, I mean it's not the first time. You know they have what Shea Weber, Datsuk, Osa. Pronger. Who else yeah. have in their roster? Can't even think of any guys, right? I think that's the big ones that I can think of. Yeah, no kidding. The Arizona Coyotes have traded forward Nick Bjergstrand to the Edmonton Oilers for a 2023 third round pick. This is a nice pickup for the Ed- the Oilers. Uh, very, very cheap. Only less than half a million bucks. And Bukestad is a guy who, even a couple of years ago, it looked like his career was done. But he's come back and has really shown that he can be a strong defensive forward with some ability to finish. The Buffalo Sabres have traded forward Andreas Bjorg to the Chicago Blackhawks for future considerations guess they need to clear out a contract well they cleared out another contract here tim the chicago blackhawks have traded forward max domi and goaltender dylan wells to the dallas stars for goaltender anton kodobin and a 2025 second round pick yeah max domi is an interesting pickup for dallas because dallas is a team that they actually have a pretty decent top, like an elite first line, pretty good second line. And then after that, it's a cliff. So Max Domi definitely helps fill that in. But we'll have to see, uh, like, caveat and prompter, except for that one season in Montreal, he's never been able to play defense. Well, Tim, that wraps up our pre-deadline trade, which can mean only one thing. It's time to talk about the trades that actually happened on the NHL trade deadline day. Let's start it off with the Detroit Red Wings have traded forward Jacob Brown to the St. Louis Blues for forward Dylan McClellan and a 2025 seventh round pick. So for a team that could legitimately retool like the Blues, this is a nice gamble to see if they actually want to take on Jacob Brana. So Brana has been a player who just... He looked very promising with Washington and then just kind of fell off with Detroit. Yeah. And then there was a stent in rehab this year. Yeah. So if I'm St. Louis, I take this gamble. If Mm -hmm. I'm Detroit and I'm just not interested in keeping Jacob Bronner around, then yeah, might as well get what I can get. The Vancouver Canucks have traded forward Curtis Lazar to the New Jersey Devils for a 2024 fourth-round pick. At this point, Lazar has just really emerged as 
kind of your prototypical bottom six center who he's not going to wrong you when he's out, but he's not going to score you any goals. Maybe there was something wrong with that hamburger. I was just going to say, I mean, he's good at eating hamburger off the ice, even if it wasn't the wrapper. Yeah. Los Angeles Kings have traded forward Brendan Lemieux in a 2024 fifth round pick to the Philadelphia Flyers for forward Zach McEwen. Tell you one thing, Brendan Lemieux is going to fit in perfectly in Philadelphia. Yeah, he can go be a dickhead with uh, Tony D'Angelo. But this is just one of those trades where it's like two teams kind of swap problems. Zach McEwen is probably the cheaper of the two problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brendan Lemieux is uh, on the outs again for good reason. Apparently the guy's just a head case, even if he was a serviceable player in L.A. The LA Kings have also traded defenseman Frederick Allard, Allard to the Montreal Canadiens for forward Nate Schnarr. Minor league deal. Honestly, that's my favorite name of the draft. Schnarr. Schnarr. Yeah. Anaheim Ducks have traded defenseman Dmitry Kulikov to the Pittsburgh Penguins for forward Dr- Brock McGinn in a 2023 third round pick. This is another one where I'm just like, like getting out of Brock McGinn's contract is good for Pittsburgh. He's just been kind of not there this year, especially for the money that they've been paying him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kulikov, I don't know, man. One of those guys where it's like, maybe it's just that he was on a god-awful Anaheim team and stuck playing with guys like Klinkberg, but he is definitely not what he was in Minnesota even last year. So maybe there is a chance for a rebound from Minikulikov. The San Jose Sharks have traded forward Nick Benino to the Pittsburgh Penguins for defensemen Harvard Henriksen, a conditional 2024 fifth-round pick, and a 2023 seventh. The Montreal Canadiens also acquired defenseman Tony Sun and San Jose's 2024 fifth-round pick in exchange for 50% of Benino's salary. So at this point, the only thing that's really significant about Nick Benino is his shot. <laughs> the defense is actually still pretty decent, but what ability to create offensively he used to have is just kind of evaporated. Yeah, I don't have really much to say about this trade, to be honest with you, Tim. It's just another one where it's like, it's kind of a meh trade. I think Bonino might make Pittsburgh better, but I'm not sure it's enough. Well, if he doesn't have Haglin and Kessel with him, I don't know how he's going to get any better. That's true. The Minnesota Wild have traded forward Jordan Greenway to the Pits- to the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a 2023 second and 2024 fifth round pick. So Greenway is, is an interesting player where he had a good season with Minnesota. He showed a, the ability to really be able to set up plays and play pretty good defense, but then just kind of fell off this year. Uh, I believe that Don Granado has previous experiences with Jordan Greenway, so he hopes that they might be able to get Jordan Greenway back back on track because he, he definitely was stronger than he was, er, sorry, stronger and earlier in his career than he was now. So maybe at 26, this isn't 
this season isn't what Jordan Greenway is. So this could be a sneaky good pickup. The Anaheim Ducks have traded defenseman Austin Strand to the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for defenseman Chase Prinsky. I guess. Uh, I mean, Prinsky's a fun name to say. Yeah, it's it is. Not, it's not as fun as Schnarr, but... No, Schnarr's a good one. Schnarr's a good one, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of is what it is. The Calgary Flames have traded forward Dylan Hunt to the Toronto Maple Leafs for forward Radom Sohorna. Another minor league deal. The Philadelphia Flyers have traded forward Patrick Brown to the Ottawa Senators to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a 2023 six-round pick. How many more Browns are we going to pick up? That's what I want to know. How many Browns have there been in the last five years in the NHL, and have they all played for Ottawa? Dustin hasn't. You're right. That is... He's the missing one. He's the missing one. So we had a Mike Brown. Okay, okay, let, let's go through this, okay? Mike, Josh, Logan, and now we have a Patrick, yep. Connor. Yep. Five? Five? Yeah, because we had four of the five Browns currently playing in the NHL or who have an active contract. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. Honestly, I, I wish that we just acquired Dustin Brown for one day to say we had all of them. Yeah. Make them like Dragon Balls. Yeah, exactly. The Detroit Red Wings have traded Oscar Sundquist to the Minnesota Wild for a 2023 fourth-round pick. I mean... I didn't... I didn't really like the signing when it happened. And this just feels like uh, correcting a mistake. My, I guess it's fair. Just get a free fourth round pick. Yep. It's not bad. Can't really say much about it. Exactly. Arizona Coyotes have traded defenseman Troy Stetcher and forward Nick Ritchie to the Calgary Flames for forward Brett Ritchie and defenseman Connor Mackey. Brother trade. First time in NHL history. <laughs> Richie for Richie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so does this make Calgary better? Well, I mean, with the news that Shillington's now not coming back for the season, I can understand why they went for Stature. He's not better than, you know, Shillington, but it's funny that like Stature was passable to good in Vancouver like passable to good in limited minutes for Vancouver and Detroit but his time in Arizona has been rough to say the least yeah and and you know me I was high on Troy Stetcher actually really yeah because remember we we've talked about Troy Stetcher in the past and I I think it was in the Seattle expansion draft episode we did and I says that they should pick him right but uh Nick Ritchie is uh a choice yeah. I don't think it's a good one. But Especially if this is all the Flames are going to do, but man, things are getting dire for Calgary. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Calgary's going through a season. Yeah. Not in a good way. That is definitely one way to put it. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's probably more ways you could put it, but yeah, that's the way I'm putting it. So the Anaheim Ducks have traded defenseman John Klingberg to the Minnesota Wild in exchange for defenseman Andre Schuster and Nikita Nestorenko's rights in a 2025 fourth round pick. Yes, you can criticize me because I still in my mind think John Klingberg was good and clearly I'm not, Tim. So Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens in Minnesota, but no, I think John Klinkberg's cooked. I hope you know that you giving me shit for thinking Klinkberg's still good. That's what our listeners are going to remember from this episode. Probably. That's what makes good radio. That's true. His drama causes ratings. Yes. Hey, you know what also gets ratings? Friggin' on Kevin Hemina. He was great. Yeah, we like that guy. We love Kevin. He's great. San Jose Sharks have traded forward Scott Reedy to the Dallas Stars for forward Jacob Peterson. It's another great. minor league one? Yeah. Cool. Buffalo Sabres have traded forward Rasmus Asplund to the Nashville Predators for a 2025 seventh round pick. Woo! Colorado Avalanche have traded forward Anton Bildith to the New York Rangers for forward Gustav Rydal. Okay, that's a great name, too. I'm not going to... Rydal? Dude, how is it we have three guys in the trade deadline trades that will all have great names? You I have, mean, big enough lead. Yeah, you've got Prinsky, Rydal, and my favorite, Nate Schnarr. Schnarr. I mean, yeah, it's a big enough, big enough league. Schnarr. Schnarr. There you go. And to close off the trade deadline day, the Los Angeles Kings have traded forward Austin, well, I was going to say Austin Watson, Austin Wagner to the Chicago Blackhawks for future considerations. I love how, like, just because his contract has been buried in the AHL, he has a cap hit of $8,000. Like, actually magic. It really is, man. It really is. And, like, I forgot that Wagner actually used to play in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, I remember him. Kind of. Was he good? I think. He was average. He was a player. There's nothing really memorable about him, but he was a player. Yeah, he existed. Exactly. Well, you know what, Tim? That wraps up the 2023 trade deadline. Now, we're actually going to take a really quick break, and we are going to come back and talk about the winners and losers of the trade deadline. Coming right back. Hey, this is Michael Hart from Black and Gold Productions, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Boy, I tell you, Tim, that was quite a lot of trades and quite a lot of names to be mentioning. Yeah, and it's funny that only eight trades of any real gravity happened on the deadline, eh? It is true, Tim. It is true. Now, since we just talked about the trades that happened during the pre-deadline and then the deadline day, let's talk about the winners and the losers of the trade deadline. I think the obvious people in the winner and the losers, Ottawa is a winner, Arizona is a loser. Yeah. Well... Arizona did manage to get a decent haul for some of the other assets, but yeah, they didn't get what they wanted for Shikran. Yep. While Ottawa, they made one big trade, 
they made a big trade. They managed to get out from under Zaitsev's contract without paying too much. All in all, yeah, very tidy work for Pierre Dorian. Yep. Uh, so I was going to say, Tim, for some of our picks here for the winners and the losers, if we do have picks that you and I both agree, we'll just piggyback on it, like always. Yeah. Now, I'm going to throw one in the winner category, and I think you and I will probably have this. Boston. Yeah, the Boston the Boston Bruins at Gareth Hathaway, Dmitry Orlov, Tyler Bertuzzi, and didn't move a roster player. Sorry, they moved one roster player that was underperforming. That is wild. Yep. Now, do you have one that you want to put in the loser category? Tampa Bay. I I don't think they got better. And they paid a lot to not get better. Yeah. I'm actually going to throw Pittsburgh in that, in the loser category. Because honestly, yeah. their deals are just... You kind of look at them and you're like, I, they're trades, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Um, another loser is Philadelphia. They didn't trade any of the guys you would expect a team that has just been absolute dog shit for the last three years to trade. Like, they still have James and Reamsdyke. They mm-hmm. willingly took on. Brendan Lemieux, they still have uh, Justin Braun. Just no actual attempt to do anything. This is a team that's going nowhere fast. It is true. It is true. Now, I've got to mention the Washington Capitals. Like, where would you put them? Because they're openly blowing it up, but they did make that trade for Rasmus Sandin. I think they're a winner. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I was very on the fence, but I wanted to get your take on that. And I was going to, I was leaning towards the winner side. So I'm, I'm glad that you and I kind of agree on it. Yeah, it, takes, it took them a lot of courage to kind of say like, yeah, things probably aren't working the way we want them to. Let's retool it and try again next year. Yep. And they got some more draft capital and maybe they'll pick up someone surprising in the off season. Obvious, another obvious one for the winners, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Just getting Timo Meyer. That's a huge acquisition. And the fact is that I was actually talking to my cousin about this because he's a New Jersey fan. And apparently there's just a number of prospects. He says there might be one or two good ones out of the group. Yeah. But that's about it. No, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, can we just call the whole state of Pennsylvania a loser? Yes. Now I'm for the loser category. I'm going to throw Vancouver in that too, because you had, like I said, you had an opportunity to make some trades and clean up the mess. You did nothing. Yeah. I'm going to throw Calgary on that list too. They didn't do enough to kind of push them back to that conversation. Maybe they have to consider blowing that team up. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean, who's going to take if the trade? Huberdeau, who's going to take him? Yeah, that big contract that's coming up. No, and like that's the problem is I just don't really see where the Flames go. It's not as bad as the Canucks. Yeah, but I just don't see it. Now, when you, when we're talking about Alberta teams, where do you put Edmonton? 
Are they, well, they a winner? I think they're a winner. Like the Ekholm pickup and then that quietly nice pickup of Bukestad. And as much as I like RV, they didn't and they managed to get something for him. Mm-hmm. I think Edmonton did well. So another team, obviously San Jose is going to be the loser just because of they had to trade, they traded Timo Meyer and all that stuff. Yeah, I agree with Tampa Bay. I agree with Tampa. They didn't get better. Honestly, okay, I'm going to throw Toronto a bone and throw them in the winner just because the Rhino Rally deal is good if it works, and the early returns have been very good. Unfortunately, he's injured. He is on LTIR right now, but they're expecting him to be back before the playoffs. Yeah. Now, they have recognized their defense needs some tooling. And they pick Say what you will about like your Luke Shens and your Jake McCabe's. You can't say that Kyle Dubas isn't trying. No, that's for sure. But Ted defenseman is very fun. Ted NHL defenseman is very funny. It's not 11-7, but... Having Ted on rosters, that's something. It, it really is, man. It really is. And is there is there one more team you want to throw in both the winner and the loser category? That's actually kind of tough. I actually did like the work that the New York Islanders did. It's unfortunate that Barzell's injured because that probably... Sorry, Barzell, Wallstrom, and Pajot were all injured. Mm-hmm. Because I think that Mars too nice. Pe- like I wasn't a big fan of the Bo of the Bo Horvat trade because I thought he was just riding percentages, but it seemed to work. And that Pierre Engvall pickup is quite nice, but it's like I don't know. I actually don't really know what to think about that. Yeah. I'm going to say in the loser category is strictly for the trade deadline day. Yeah. Hockey fans. Because we, again, we got another boring deadline day. And I actually want to bring this up to you because when thinking of this episode tonight, I want to bring up a question here because, you know, all the big name trades that happen all happen like a few weeks before the deadline. Well, how does the NHL fix that? Do they I don't think they put can. a limit or a freeze on that before the deadline? Nah, I don't think that's as interesting. Honestly, maybe we just take weight off the trade deadline. One but like the week before the the whole week leading up to the trade deadline was like a continuous banger. Like sure the day was a bit uneventful, but that week was hype. I would rather have a week of entertainment than one day. It it extends the drama and lets it build. It really does, man. It really does. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on this episode. If you want to head off to the close for a Yeah, let's wrap week. her up. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Third Line Plug. I am on both at Great White Gipster, and Tim is currently only on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. So, Tim, thank God. 
We don't have any trades to talk about this week. But we do have three games to talk about this week, Tim. We've got tonight's game versus the Chicago Blackhawks. Currently, we are losing one nothing to Chicago. How? Thursday, we travel down to the 206 to play the Seattle Kraken. And Saturday, we travel to the city of Vancouver to play the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Like, Ottawa definitely needs probably to win three out of four of these games to keep the playoff hope alive. It's true. And unfortunately, I mean, we're losing to the Blackhawks, but I mean, we did this last time, though. Remember, we blew that lead to them. Right. Hopefully, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But the one thing is, though, unfortunately, I will not be attending the game on Saturday night in Vancouver. Oh. No. Because I figured... I can either go see the Sens play on that night or Katrina and I can go see the Flames in April. Yeah. I chose the Flames for Katrina. Okay. Yeah. I I will say, though, I am actually kind of thinking of maybe going to a game next year. Yeah. It just depends where, though. That's the thing. It might be Vancouver. It might be Ottawa. You don't know. The possibilities are endless. Incredible. Absolutely. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Woo!